0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: Well, hello, everyone. A somewhat familiar voice joining you today. Uh, The gentlemen are off, of course, being December 26th. So Andy Baskin off today. Jeff Phelps both on assignment. Dan Menigan will be taking you through about 2 o'clock today. uh, Shooting a breeze about all sorts of good stuff involving the Browns, a little bit of Cavs in there too, some college football along the way and a little bit of of what happens when you host a party and the ramifications that come out of such things when I had 20-some-odd people show up to my house for Christmas Eve in between. We've got a show packed for you. Mary Kay Cabot's going to join at 11 o'clock today. We will hear from Kevin Stefanski live from Berea. Today is the day that br- the Browns will have media. They will speak. We will have that for you here on 92.3 The Fan all day long. Former Browns quarterback Mike Tomczak is going to join us at 1 o'clock as well to talk about what it really takes to build a rapport with a wide receiver and how impressive it's been how Joe Flacco's been able to build that with Amari Cooper so quickly. Meredith Kane is with me today. We always love having MK here. Same thing with Andrew Hody. He is behind the glass as well. So give us a buzz, 216-474-0092. On really what today is more than anything else, which is one of the least productive workdays in the entire calendar if we're building the list of days where the least amount of stuff gets done it's today the day after christmas reason being is that everybody is everybody's had too many carbohydrates everybody's working off a hangover you may have had too too many everybody's got too much salt in their system nobody is moving quickly today for anything it's you know day after having the day off that's how it always ends up going same thing with black friday black friday works the same exact way to the point where some companies have even just said forget it Oh, come in. It's not worth you goofing around here. It's not worth you quarter rear ending your way through a day and getting absolutely nothing done. Those are like the big two. You could even toss um you could even toss January two in there as well, just in case that hangover from New Year's Eve or is taking a little bit longer. The second gets a little uglier on top of that too. So to everybody who is out there working, along with all of us who are working, we feel your pain. It's understandable if you only get a quarter of the work done that you should get done on a day like today. Frankly, it's your employer's fault to have you in to begin with. So it's always interesting when you have to do this kind of day, but what makes it better is a Browns win. And that's where we're going to start this thing is, you know, the, the Victory Monday was spent with all of your friends. It was spent with all of your family. It was spent in enjoying the time. And so today being the, the Tuesday after Victory Tuesday that followed it, I think we still need to look at how impressive it was that the, how good the Cleveland Browns looked as they went, 30, went 36 to 22 over Houston at Energy Stadium down in Houston. But the biggest thing that, of course, stood out to everybody is Joe Flacco in this game. I mean, he was absolutely unbelievable, on fire throughout this game. 27 of 42, 368 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Like, one of those was just an arm punt on the interception to begin with. I mean, that's how it ended up going. And Flacco looked so good, and Amari Cooper looked just as good as well. And this is the part of Flacco that has blown me away. So now we've had a month of Joe Flacco as a Cleveland Brown. Okay, we've had four games. Over those four games, Joe Flacco, 104 of 175 for 59.4 completion percentage. 1,321 yards, 7.5 yards per attempt, 10 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Average depth of target, 10 yards. Quarterback rating, 8.54. Why I bring all of those up is because the average depth of target is basically telling you that the Browns are pushing the ball down the field. They have evolved this offense into what Joe Flacco does best. They have taken... What we saw in the early part of this season and have basically tabled it with PJ Walker going out with DTR with even Deshaun Watson. And they have tabled that playbook and have decided to go with the Joe Flacco offense. And it really hit me upside the head watching that Houston game because. And I think it was partially due to the fact that I saw the Houston Texans logo and those those blue and red unis and all of that kind of stuff that was there that really made it apparent. But I felt like I was watching Matt Schaub throw balls to Andre Johnson and Owen Daniels right up the middle and hitting the tight end for it and having Gary Kubiak on the sidelines. And that's what that offense looked like to me. Those heavy play-action bootlegs. Get Joe Flacco out of the pocket. Let him set his feet and just fling it. Let him hit the tight end over the middle and David Njoku. And let him see everything at the line of scrimmage, get under center, audible into what needs to happen, and go from there. And so I kind of started doing a little bit of digging. And I started looking at that because it was just so apparent in my head. It was just ingrained in my head watching those Houston Texans teams with Gary Kubiak at the helm as the Browns are doing the exact same thing. And so it fascinated me. So I started doing some digging. In 2014, Joe Flacco had his best season as a Baltimore Raven. He had a 62% completion percentage, 3,986 yards, 27 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, and a 91 quarterback rating. Gary Kubiak was a mentor for Kevin Stefanski when they were in Minnesota together. And with the Minneapolis Miracle, with um, Case Keenum, and all those teams were, in that team, I should say, and about a half a season as well, where, where Stefanski was at the helm, Gary Kubiak was right there with him as his mentor. And so I started kind of wondering in my head, like, okay, how does this work? How does this piece together And I found a piece from Mary Kay Cabot, who's going to join us at 11 today, and I really want to talk to her about this because it it fascinated me to no end that apparently she sat down with Gary Kubiak and asked him about Flacco. And he said that Stefanski picked up the phone, called up Kubiak and said, hey, you worked with Joe Flacco. What was that like? What was it about? What were all those things? And Gary Kubiak sung his praises. He was competitive as all get out. He could do everything you tell him to. He's real smart on the whiteboard. He does a great job when he gets in there. He's awesome with teammates. You're going to love him. Competitive fire through the roof with Flacco. So Stefanski picked up the phone and called Flacco. But before then, Kubiak then called Flacco and gave him the warning shot. And again, this is all according to American at Cleveland.com, and the plane Dealer. You can find this piece that's in there. And so it had the Kubiak seal of approval, who was the coordinator of what I was watching with all of those heavy bootlegs when they were in Houston in an offense that you're seeing right now in 2023. And that has been the most fascinating part of all of this is how Kevin Stefanski has taken this offense and has evolved it into exactly what it means to be. Not only does it mean, again, I'm preaching to the choir here, A- furthering home the candidacy of Kevin Stefanski for Coach of the Year, which he'll look at you and tell you, this is great, I'll use it as a doorstop, life is good. Browns fans will look at it and go, this is awesome, our coach is Coach of the Year, he's doing an unbelievable job, and he should be. But what it does more than anything is it tells you how versatile this offense is, how versatile Kevin Stefanski is, and the fact that he's been able to build this with Joe Flacco in such a short period of time has been absolutely unbelievable and even on top of that one the fact that the Browns have been able to do all of this and evolve this offense and they have taken away the singular thing that they have been known for which is the run game because of all the injuries that have taken place in between there the last four games of Joe Flacco the Browns have rushed for 23 attempts for 86 yards the second game, they rushed for 28 attempts for 82 yards, 18 attempts for 29 yards, 30 attempts for 54 yards. This run game has disappeared because of all the injuries to the offensive line. Because you can judge Wills, DeWan Jones even Petonio dealing with the back injuries in between, Posick being in and out, a little bit of Nick Harrison there as well. There have been inconsistencies along the offensive line. There have been inconsistencies in the backfield as well. It is tough to find those holes. It's tough to get those blocks. It's tough to get open up the space that is needed for these guys to succeed. Everybody knows the Browns are going to throw the ball.
3: And yet, guys are open.
1: Mark Cooper is breaking Browns records. Doing things that no Browns receiver has ever done, which we will get into a little bit later. And nobody can stop it. And nobody has really been able to stop it and do a great job stopping it throughout this entire run of Flacco as quarterback. They took away a quarterback's best friend. Every offensive lineman will tell you a quarterback's best friend is running the ball. If you don't know what to do, if your quarterback is struggling, run the ball. Guy came in here a month ago. He has no semblance of a running game whatsoever. It's been unbelievable. It has been awesome how they've been able to do this. I had some fun with numbers as well when it came to to Flacco and and the play action game. So, and how heavy the Browns have used play action. This is according to PFF. 36 of 56. 65.5 completion percentage, 711 yards, 12.9 yards per attempt, six touchdowns, two interceptions, 12.9 average depth of target. That is first. The attempts are second in the league to Gardner Minshew over that time. And Joe Flacco has seven more completions than any, than the second place person in play action. Who's Jordan Love. They have gone heavy play action with the run game, not working. They are still able to sell this. They are still able to find wide receivers, and they're using it to take deep shots to also cover up this offensive line. And the fact that this offensive line has not been as good as it's been in the past, and Joe Flacco's had to scramble more, and Joe Flacco has had to step up in the pocket more, he's moved better than we all thought. We thought he was going to be a statue. I think we all said it because we watched it with the Jets, we watched it with the Broncos, and even a little bit with the Ravens. It's not what we've seen here. We've seen a guy who's been able to move. Yes, he's not going to take off and get you 15 yards at a chunk. But he's able to move around in the pocket. He's able to get off center. He's able to set his feet outside of the pocket and deliver the ball on time and on target. He's able to hit Amari Cooper on those deep out routes. He's able to hit Amari Cooper on the deep shots. He's hitting Cedric Tillman. He's trying to hit Elijah Moore, and every so often Elijah Moore drops them. Don't worry, that'll hopefully clean up in due time, and he's hitting David and Joku over the middle like it's Todd Heat back in the day. It's been tremendous to see how this team has come together and how they've been able to evolve this offense along the way to best suit Joe Flacco and how Kevin Stefanski has shut the book on the Watson offense, put it up there, and brought out a completely different offense, taught it to this team, and has rolled from there. This team is sitting pretty. The Baltimore Ravens look excellent. They were awesome last night. Outside of that, you're not really scared of a whole lot else. And we'll see what comes from there. But 216-474-0092. At the Sports Feller on Twitter if you so desire, feller spelt like Bob, or X or whatever incarnation we're calling this hellscape. How impressed are you with Joe Flacco? And how impressed are you with Kevin Stefanski? And if you would like to apologize in the same way that I am apologizing to Joe Flacco for thinking that this was going to completely collapse in the dirt because Flacco was toast, we will listen to that as well because I, Dan Menigan, apologize for thinking that this was going to collapse into the dirt. Dan Menigan in for Baskin and Phelps.
3: 92 3 the fan.
0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals
3: like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: And that's been the most impressive thing about Flacco to this point to me. Look, we all knew the arm strength was there. That guy... You know, they always talk about quarterbacks where you come right off the couch, and the last thing that goes for these guys is their arm. It's everything else. The, the brain, you know, as we all know, we've all had those moments in life. And Dan Menigan in for basket and Phelps 92 3, the fan. We've all had those moments in life where we've played pickup basketball with people who are younger than us, or, or flag football, or baseball, or anything else like that involves that hand eye coordination, that old that athletic ability that we relied on for so long where the brain tells the body to move at the right time and the body doesn't move. We've all had those moments. I've had them playing pickup basketball more times than I can count where I'm going up against somebody younger than me and they do a crossover move and I'm paying attention to the hip to watch where the hips are going to go. Cause that's where, you, that's how you play defense. And my brain goes, okay, three slide steps to the right. And I get two and a quarter and the guy's right through me, and goodbye. You know, we've all had those, and so far with Joe Flacco, you get a couple of those moments every so often, but that's also quarterback in the NFL. It moves really fast. But they've minimized those and have maximized what Flacco does great, as Kevin Stefanski said in that cut, which is the deep ball, which is building those layers, which is using his eyes, all of those things, and have built this offense and rebuilt it to best benefit Joe Flacco. I left you with the play-action numbers. I want to give you those one more time. So here's Flacco on play-action this season. 36 of 56, 65.5% completion, 711 yards, 12.9 yards per attempt, six touchdowns, two interceptions, 12.9 average depth of target, meaning that when they go play-action, they push the ball down the field. It's a lot of those heavy bootlegs to help get Joe Flacco inside of space. Now, to how much the Browns have evolved this offense. With Deshaun Watson, so I, I did a four-game sample. I grabbed week two, which was the, uh, the Pittsburgh game. I grabbed week three, Tennessee game. I grabbed week nine, the Arizona game. And I grabbed week 10, the Baltimore game. The reason that I picked those were those were the games that he played the entire game. So that's the four-game sample size. I wanted four full games. So I went with two, three, nine, and ten. Okay. On play action, the Cleveland Browns, 18 of 26, 69.2%, 11 yards per attempt, one touchdown, 10.8 average depth of target. So the big things that stand out, the attempts. Flacco, 56. Watson, 26. They have done... 30 more play-action attempts in that four-game stretch with Joe Flacco at the helm than they did with Deshaun Watson. Now, there's a lot of different reasons for that one. One of them is the offense itself. Deshaun Watson, and, and I don't know this for a fact. No one has come out and asked him. It's just what my eyes have told me. Deshaun Watson doesn't like turning his back to the defense. And by the way, like that's not meant to be an insult or a slap or anything like that. Aaron Rodgers hates turning his back to the defense. That's why when you watch him play quarterback, he was always out of shotgun. He hated turning his back to the defense. It was one of the biggest arguments you always have with Matt LaFleur. But you have seen those heavy bootlegs with Joe Flacco because he likes going under center and has no problem with those fake handoffs. And he has no problem with those heavy bootlegs being under center. Deshaun Watson likes being out of shotgun because then he could see the entire field. He could scope it and go from there. Flacco will do whatever you tell him to. He could go under center. He could go out of the shotgun. He can go out of the pistol. He could do whatever needs to be done in that particular play to make things work. Again, not meant to be an insult. It's a statement of fact. Watson likes to be able to move. Shotgun. It's easier to be to scramble. It's easier to move all over. It's easier to see where the rush is going to come from and be able to get away from it out of shotgun than it is under center, having those heavy drop back or those those five step drops, those seven step drops, and occasionally nine step drops. Again, just the fact. But you saw right there that they have gone from the splendid spread offense with a little bit of that zone run game and a little bit of Kubiak and a little bit all of Stefanski and the West Coast offense and all that stuff, and have scrapped that in favor of the old school Kyle, the old school Gary Kubiak, Mike Shanahan offense, and how they've been able to do it with Flacco, and it's just been. Awesome to see. And so, I brought up, I apologize to Joe Flacco. I thought this was going to flop. I thought this was going to be an absolute mess. I thought he was going to be a turnover machine. I was waiting for the three turnover backbreaker Flacco games that we have seen so many times when he was with the Ravens, and then when he's with Denver and all that stuff. And our Twitter mentions Powered by Shiba Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. And you can always tweet me at the TheSportsFeller on Twitter, uh, like Beto Bopper does here. I want to apologize to Zavansky and Andrew Barry. I was wrong. They are great at their jobs. (laughs) And I feel like that's where a lot of people are. I feel like that's where we... This season has been such a roller coaster ride of emotions for all of us. Like, I I was joking with a couple different people, and it's become my line this season, and I continue to say it. It's like the entire city of Cleveland went through puberty in an NFL season, in an 18-week span, where the highs unbelievable. We were over the movie. We were going nuts. Nothing was better. It was pure euphoria everywhere you went. And the Lowe's were burning a candle or burning incense in the dark while listening to the Smiths. Everything was horrible. Burn it to the ground. This is horrible. Nothing will ever be better. And it feels like we've kind of evened out a little. Now, granted, three and one will do that to you with you know, your four string quarterback in there, three and one will have that effect. But like, I feel like there's a steadying presence where even after the Rams game for the first time, the entire season, we all looked at each other and went, okay, they lost. That's okay. They can hang. They can hang with anybody. They hung with that Rams team. They hung in the middle of it. Okay. We're all right. This defense is good enough. The injuries are piling up. That's fine. But we hung. And that's been the overwhelming
3: fla- factor since Flacco took over. And hey,
1: we'll take it because right now, after watching the weekend of football, and we're gonna have a real good look at it with the Browns playing on Thursday. And of course, you'll be able to hear that in your home with the Browns running through the fan. But we'll have a front row seat all weekend to where the rest of the AFC looks because right now, Baltimore looks really good. I mean, Lamar Jackson's MVP odds skyrocketed last night. You know, if you if you wanted Lamar for MVP, I hope you got it before uh, last night's game because boy, those went up and Purdy's numbers just fell into the toilet. The Ravens scare me. I know the Browns beat them in their building once this season. The other one was DTR. I know the Ravens still scare me. I'm sorry, if they just do. Lamar's playing great ball. They're relatively healthy. We'll see what the Ronnie Stanley injury is for them. Meta BK is a stud on the defensive line. Same thing with Jadavian Clowney. They've resurrected him. He's getting after passers. He's he's doing all sorts of great stuff there. Kyle Hamilton is a monster as well. Okay? So that's one team. The Ravens still scare me. I would love, love to see a Browns-Dolphins game. I think it would be an absolute blast to watch what Jim Schwartz could scheme up to go up against what Mike McDaniel has done. Because unbeknownst, and it came up a little bit during Niners week. But Jim Schwartz has kind of been the kryptonite to those offenses, to all of those disciples that have come out of the Kyle Shanahan tree. The kryptonite to those has been Jim Schwartz. All of those kind of point-and-shoot offenses where it's like, okay, the quarterback is, or the coach is playing quarterback with the quarterback, where it's like, okay, here's your first read, here's your second read, throw it away, get out of here. You're done. Jim Schwartz has kind of been kryptonite to those. He's the one person in the league who has figured out some of these high-powered offenses, and I would love to see those two go against each other. So I think I kind of fear the Dolphins because I don't know, you know, Tyreek Hill, if he's healthy, good luck. Same thing with Jalen Waddell. We'll see what the injury looks like for Jaden Waddle. But, like, that's the other team that scares me. And then after that, Browns might be three. Browns might be the third-best team. Because right now the Chiefs' offense is kind of broken. It's a little bit of a mess. <laughs> They're having a hard time finding somebody open who isn't Travis Kelsey. Patrick Mahomes is yelling at his linemen. You know, he's, he's yelling at the media. He's yelling at everybody who will listen to him. Okay. That makes sense. So I'm not as scared of them, though. Spagnuolo does a great job on the defensive side, and they've had some really good production from there. Okay. The Jags? I'm still a Trevor Lawrence fan. I still think Trevor Lawrence is good. But like, I'm not scared of the Jags. That offense has fallen apart without Christian Kirk. And it's hysterical to say that because it's Christian Kirk. <laughs> so that's the part that it continues to blow me away with this Jags team. Is it it's Christian Kirk? It's not like they lost Calvin Ridley. It's not like they lost Travis Etienne. It's not like they lost their left tackle. No. Christian Kirk, their their slot wide receiver, has caused that offense to completely crater. You know, of course, Trevor Hurd as well has something to do with it. But, like, I think the Browns are the third best team in the AFC. And the only reason I put the Dolphins ahead of them is because I kind of want to see it. And Tyreek Hill scares the crowd out of me, and Jaden Waddle scares the crowd out of me as well. And if that line is healthy and and Toronto Armstead is out there playing left tackle for them, I think that line could hold up pretty well. And I think it would be a really, really fun matchup. So, like, if you wanted to swap the Dolphins with the Browns for me, fine. Okay, I'll listen to it. But when you start mapping it out and you start looking at all of these different teams that are in the middle of this playoff hunt, you start realizing how good a shape the Browns actually are in. And look, I'm... I'm not going to stand here and yell Super Bowl at the top of my lungs. Uh, No. No, 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 no. It's cute. It's fun. It's all that kind of stuff. Their goal for me at the beginning of the season was to make the playoffs. That's what I put forward. And I learned as a sports fan, don't move the goalposts. It's not worth it. Don't move the goalposts because all moving the goalposts do is just disappoint you. Don't go, okay, you beat my goal here. Okay, now here's the
3: next goal. Here's here's Farvin. I get that. Some
1: people love to do such things. I'm not that way. You exceeded my goal. Make the playoffs. Make the playoffs and go from there. But boy, the door is wide open. Boy, oh boy, the door is wide open for this team to make some noise. Because if you want to tell me that they're the second best team, or you want to tell me that they're the third best team, well, all you need is any given Sunday on one day. All you need is something to bounce a weird way. All you need is Lamar to throw a pick when he shouldn't. And you saw a couple of those in that game against the 49ers. And all you need is for a couple of small things to go your way in just a singular game. And the Browns are right there. So 216-474-0092. At the Sports feller on Twitter. Are the Browns the second best team in the AFC? Or are they the third best team in the AFC? And if it's neither, feel free to let me know. Two one six four seven four double O ninety two 474 92 At the Sports Feller on Twitter if you so desire. Dan Menigan in for Baskin if helps. through The fam. Mary Kate Cab at cleveland.com and Pulling Dealer joining us at 11.
3: Dan again! in for basket at Phelps
1: 92 3. The fantasy you got locked in right now. Talking, Joe Flacco, talking how good this Browns team is, and talking about the fact that the AFC is just wide open. I mean, it's been, we thought this conference was going to be a gauntlet at the beginning of the season. You know, we looked at the Chiefs and went, okay, you know, take a, take a chisel, put them in. We looked at the Chargers and went, okay, they brought in Kellen Moore. Maybe Justin Herbert can, you know, with Kellen Moore, this whole thing can just take off and be outstanding. There was some Broncos hype in between there. People going, okay, Sean Payton's a winner. Sean Payton's a winner everywhere that he goes. That's another team that could be there. The Bengals, Joe Burrow is unbelievable. They've, they've been great the last few years. The Ravens have been great. The Browns have Deshaun Watson. They've got that offensive line, and they've got Jim Schwartz and a defense that is built to win. The Steelers are the team that is just an institution at this point. They are constantly in the mix. Miami is awesome. Their offense is excellent. They brought in Vic Fangio. You could point to the Bills and you go, all right, they've got Josh Allen. They've been there many a time before. This is the year a lot of people thought they were going to win the Super Bowl. And, like, you kept going down. New England, you talk yourself into it. Well, it's Bill Belichick. Again, they're an institution on top of this. We thought this was going to be a gauntlet. We thought this was going to be an absolute bloodbath getting into the playoffs. What injuries happened? Coordinators get fired. Bad coaches move on. We find out that some coaches that we thought were good actually are bad, and then they go from there. The institutions begin to crumble. And here we are in a position where you can make an argument that the Cleveland Browns are the second-best team in the AFC. I still say third. Again, I want to see the Dolphins Against the Browns before, or or I want to see the Dolphins in the playoffs before I start going a little bit that far. And if you want to yell at me for that, fine. I think it might be a toss-up between the two of them. I would love to watch it, but I think that's the case. I don't know. I don't know. Cool Ray's in Bedford. Welcome to the show, Cool Ray. How are you? Let me see if I can work this thing. Hey, hey, Ah, I can work the phones. Yay!
4: Hey, how you doing?
1: I'm well, dude. How are you?
4: I'm doing good. Happy holidays to you your as well. Friends. Very How happy holidays. Started. Okay, so I'm a huge Browns fan. I've been a Browns fan my entire life. Right. So, I'm talking. I'm I'm 51. So I've seen the Bernie Kosar days. I've seen when the dog pound got started. You know, good football, bad football. Yes. So, realistically, the Browns are not the third best team in the AFC. In, in the AFC. No. I mean, we're okay. the luckiest this year. We, I mean, we're we we have been the luckiest this year. It has been no secret. I've not. I am not sold on this coach. I think this. I think this is a a, a bad coach. So I think this coach gets more credit for other people's accomplishments. This defense has been carrying us. The offense has not. This offense is horrible. And unless. And be honest, this is the year of the backup quarterback, which means every team has had injuries. Mostly every team has had injuries. And And no team is leading the NFL in interceptions or turnovers in the Cleveland
1: Browns. And and Cool Ray, that's kind of the that's kind of the crux of the entire thing. It's just the fact that this is so wide open because of all the injuries and the fact that the defense has been this consistent force the entire season. And it makes me laugh how everybody says luck like it is this horrific thing, and that it's always an insult. Like we were well, all it's not screaming, a, it's "Not we... an insult!"
4: Winning, 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 winning comes from talent, preparation, and luck. Yes, so you got to have those three elements. So yes. we are the luckiest right now. But offensively, when you go, when you say the first, second, third best team in the AFC, we're looking at. I am looking at the complete all three factors: special teams, defense, and offense. So, no, we are not. I think that if we go up against uh, teams that are in, if we, if, you know, hopefully things work out in our favor when yeah. we actually make the playoffs. No, absolutely. But I think that once once you get into those teams, passing the ball 45, 46 times won't do it. Yes. We've now, Koury, that, that we, we agree
1: on. We, and the fact that they can't we, run the ball on top of it, I think is going to hit them at some point. They've got to find a running game. You are 100% right on that.
4: But let's not. But let's not say they can't run. I think that's. I think that's the biggest problem I have when I hear people talk about Cleveland football. It's that our head coach slash offensive coordinator is choosing not to run. What? If you look at what the Browns do when they do run the ball, we're getting four, three, four, three or four yards per carry consistently. Okay.
1: Consistently. Cool, Ray. I, I appreciate it. The... Hey, enjoy the holidays, man. I appreciate the call. All that good stuff. Thanks, man. Thank you. Hey, here's, the, here's the thing. You say they cannot run a ball. I have the numbers right here in front of me. Okay? In the last four games, especially with Joe Flacco as starter, again, 23 attempts for 86 yards, 28 attempts for 82 yards, 18 attempts for 29 yards, 30 attempts for 54 yards. When you are running the ball 30 times a game and you are running it for 54 yards you have a running game problem. I'm not going to do the math of what 30 carries to 54 yards is. All you need to know is it's not good. I think that's really the main part that you got to have is it's just, it's not ideal. It's not what you're looking for, especially coming off of a run where we all saw Nick Chubb run like an absolute monster and could take these little holes and make them gargantuan to quote Meredith Kane in the pre-show meeting. Like, same thing with the tackle situation. To have Jedrick Wills, as much as we all yelled about Jedrick Wills, he was really good in the run game. Same thing with Dewan Jones. He got better as time went on in the run game. He was a road grader. He was a big old dude. He could take up some space. And it made it so that you could swing the centers out. And you could pull the guards. And you could do all of those things that built the Browns' offense. The minute you were down to Jari Christian, who's been good, and James Hudson, who's been less good, You could even argue bad if you so desire. I'll listen to that one. I probably would agree with you. It makes it that your run game gets a little harder when your offensive linemen have problems blocking. And your offensive linemen have problems keeping the edge. That makes the run game tough. And so they've got to find it. Like, they've got to find a run game if they want to make a deep run into the playoffs. It's one of the biggest things that is holding this team back into making the deep playoff run because you have to run the ball at some point. And it's not just because, oh, yeah, you got to run the ball to set up play action and they're granted play action. You don't. You actually don't. You could run play action and it still gets the same thing done even if you can't run the ball. I have the proof. It's called the 2023 Cleveland Browns. Like, they have to find a semblance of a running game. The other part of that is the luck thing. Luck is an insult, but it's never a good thing. And it always makes me laugh because we all lost our minds when the ball bounced off of, was it Jamal Adams? I don't remember the Seattle Seahawks defender. When the ball bounced off of the helmet, went right up into the air, and, and the Seahawks caught it. We all screamed, yelled, and went absolutely nuts. Then the other time, I think it was DTR, maybe P.J. Walker. I don't know. There's been a lot of quarterbacks this year. But anyway, they threw a ball. It bounced off of a guy's helmet and right into Amari Cooper's hands for a touchdown. We all watched that one and went, oh, whoo. Great play call. Worked out great. It's like, no, it's luck. It's all luck. All of it falls in the same bucket. Luck is you have to have it to win. It has to be in your favor. Whether you want to say it's because of the referees, whether you want to say it's because of the way the ball bounces. Luck has to be in your favor. It's not an insult. It's not meant to be a slap in the face. It is not meant to be the end-all BL as well. You can't go, oh, my God, that coach is just unbelievably lucky especially in a season when you've lost all of these injuries in between there, which kind of sort of are luck-based. So that's the kind of stuff that will forever do me in. Bill and Parma, welcome to the show, man.
2: Hey, Dan, great job today.
1: Thanks, man. I appreciate the kind words.
2: Oh, um, you know, listen, as everyone knows, I'm a Chiefs fan, but I firmly believe the Browns can beat them this year, and I don't think that's an overstatement at all. Wow. Wow. Well, and I think one of the things is, Dan, and let me hear what you have to say on this. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, These quarterbacks like Mahomes and Burrow that get almost a quarter of the salary cap, 50 million, I think Mahomes is getting. And I think the salary cap, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is 227 million. Well, you know, that you are seeing the effect of it because they could not afford Hilt as a wide receiver. And if you know Ken C. still had hill as their wide receiver, a lot of this would some of this would be would be different without a doubt my other so what that's one issue is yeah. that these quarterbacks are just taking so much of the money the quarterback is going to have to look at themselves and say to themselves do if I take that much money, am I going to be effective as a player? Well,
1: and, and no, something else yeah. happened, Bill, with that too, and it's still the ramifications of the pandemic on top of that. Because before the pandemic, the money kept going up and up and up and up and up. So these contracts didn't look quite as bad. The pandemic hit, and the cap actually ended up dropping a couple times. So I think that is also playing into it. It's just you know, it, it's some again luck. Some of that is just really bad luck.
2: That makes well that makes sense. And, and lastly. There's something with the culture of the Chiefs right now that isn't right. And you can see it on the field. You can see it in the behavior of Mahomes and, and Kelsey. And what that is, whether the fact that their offensive coordinator, a Nagy, is not getting the job done, or whatever it is, it's tremendous. And I get that they've dropped a lot of passes. I understand that. But that doesn't explain what happened yesterday. And so, and nonetheless, hey, thanks, Dan. I appreciate not it. Not a
1: problem. Bill, have you completely blamed Taylor Swift for all the problems like everybody else in Kansas City? <laughs>
2: uh a little okay
1: okay okay Okay. thank you bill i appreciate it enjoy the holidays it's coming from everywhere it it has made me laugh way too hard to hear all these chiefs fans go absolutely nuts and blame taylor swift for all their problems (laughs) it's like what (laughs) this isn't it this isn't the problem at all it's not like joe dimaggio stopped hitting when he dated marilyn monroe like it's just the silliest thing on this earth and it will forever make me laugh when it comes to chiefs fans and hearing them all yell and scream. And I mean, let's, let's be honest folks. And if we look at ourselves, if, if let's say somebody started dating Selena Gomez on the, on the Browns, like we would all be screaming at her too. If that person or the team wasn't performing at the level that it should be because we're all just irrational nuts. That's the way that it ends up going. You know, Taylor Swift was one of the people with like the highest approval rating and now has a high approval rating everywhere else in the country except for crusty NFL fans who don't understand that producers are trying to appeal to the masses and Kansas City. (laughs) So I think Dolly Parton still has the belt. I think that's really where we talked about this. 216-474-0092 at The Sports Feller on Twitter, if you so desire. Mary Kay Cabot, Cleveland.com, and a plane dealer joining us at 11. We'll ask her all about the new kicking situation. What's going on with Dustin Hopkins? What's going on with Corey Bajorquez as well? That's also kind of flown under the radar and the connection between Joe Flacco and Amari Cooper. Uh, we'll talk to Mike Tomzak at one o'clock. Kevin Stefanski addresses the media at twelve twenty-five today. Dan Mannigan in for Basket of Phelps. You got it on ninety two.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name your price tool from Progressive.